Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. Say done for me, you know that what he has done for me, he has done for you. So what God has done for us. But it's important for us many times to personalize it. Because sometimes we feel as if, oh, this is for some people, it's not for us. Some people are just blessed like that. Some people are lucky. No, 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 no. We are the blessed. So I was meditating on this and I began to think about how God has always operated with his people right from time. Of course, we in the new covenant, we are enjoying some really powerful new covenant blessings. And, and the major thing is that the Holy God will live on the inside of us. Hallelujah. That's the one thing that the people in the old covenant did not have. That grace. They didn't have the grace of God coming to live on the inside of them after having died for them. And I began to think about um, uh, Saul in the old covenant. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, you can put it up. Maybe we'll read from verse 6 to 7. And I thought to think about the fact about how when anyone comes in contact with God, there's always a manifestation when they submit to God. And I, th- and I think about it because when uh, in this scripture here, the Bible says that in 1 Samuel verse 10, um, 1 Samuel chapter 10 from verse 6, but I'll give you, I'll piggyback, that the prophet had been told by God to anoint Saul for the office of the king because the people had insisted that he wanted a king, even though God wanted to be their king, to live as their king. And so the Bible tells us that God called, uh, told Samuel to anoint uh, Saul. And the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. Hallelujah. So we see here that even in the old covenant, Saul came in contact with the anointing and was turned into another man. Let's see what happened. Go ahead. Verse 7. It says, And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And so, of course, the scientist talking about was that was, there were some things that he, were going, he was going to see, and that whatever he was, he, he was led to do, he should do it. You know, when the Spirit of God is upon you, you have a leading. He's there to lead you, right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. We, we, we should always remember that we are never alone, that we have God to lead us. So we actually are not supposed to make mistakes. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, people like to major on their mistakes. They like to talk about their mistakes, about how God used their mistakes. It's good. Praise the Lord. But have you, has it ever occurred to us that God is more glorified when we don't make mistakes? We like to talk about how God can turn our mess to a message. But has it ever occurred to us that God is more glorified when we stand strong? When we, we keep ourselves in him and live, you know, for him. Hallelujah. And that's what glorifies God more. God wants the people to know how he can keep us. That's what he wants us to know. He doesn't want to keep thinking about oh, your mess. I'm telling you, yes, is it a part? Does it help some people to know that they can come out of their, their own situations? Yes, it can. But we need to major more on the power of God and his keeping ability. 
Because many times people like to think, oh, you fall sometimes, you stand sometimes. The Bible tells us that he is able to keep your feet from falling. He's able to keep your feet from falling. Amen? I don't know why I'm going this direction this morning. I, that's not what I was thinking about. But look at this. Read, look, go, go to verse 8. It says, And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and shew thee what thou shalt do. Verse 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, as soon as he, he left that place, say, God gave him another heart. Faith entered into him. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that all those signs came to pass that day. This is in the Old Covenant. This is in the Old Covenant, coming in contact with the anointing. He was changed into another man. And, and when they came thither to the, to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all knew him before time, saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets, then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? Now one of the things that you see, other translations, we say that who is this nobody? That all of a sudden is now among the prophets. Hallelujah. <laughs> who is this nobody? The anointing of God can take a nobody and turn them into somebody. And that's what God has done for you and I in the transformation process. Now, I thought about this. This is the old covenant. This is the old covenant. And the Bible says in the new covenant, we are the body of the anointing. So we are not just looking for the anointing to come upon us, which there's a time for that. Where is, is And in the new covenant, look, listen to this. Woo! I better slow down because I'm... <laughs> Hallelujah, because I believe I need to do a little bit of teaching today. Now, in the old covenant, when it came up, it came up on them. Now, it's not like it can't come upon you in the new. Praise the Lord. But the coming on upon us in the new is not from the external. It's a bubbling up from the inside. Hallelujah. Because we are the body of the anointing. The Bible says we are the body of Christ, the anointed one. And so if you think Christ is anointed, you better know that you are anointed. Because sometimes we try to pray and fast to get the anointing. The praying and the fasting is not about you getting the anointing. It's about you submitting yourself so that God can flow through you. Because you and I, we already have everything that we need. We are anointed. We are anointed from head to toe. <laughs> Inside out, we are anointed. We have been fully and completely transformed. Now, as we go forward today, I want us to understand something. I'm going to be saying a number of things. But if there is something that I want you to remember as we go today in all of the things that I'm going to say is that you and I are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. We are God's masterpiece. Now, put up Ephesians 2, please. I think it's verse 10 from the New Living Translation. Hallelujah. This is very vital for us to understand because the Bible says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we've talked about eternal life before. We've talked about it and we still need to keep talking about it. That is a life that God is. The life that God has brought us into, that when we have eternal life, we now have the DNA of God. It is a life that cannot be improved on. 
Ionios Zoe. Hallelujah. Oh, man, this thing has hit me. Since Pastor Preach talked about it, it just came alive again in me that I'm a life. God has invested so much in me that I cannot be improved on. In the spirit, he has given me everything. So now it's just for me to catch up in the natural. But in the spirit, there is nothing else that God has to give to you. He emptied his bank account. I'm sure you can understand bank account. <laughs> he emptied himself. The Bible says he emptied himself. He invested everything in you and I. And we are his masterpiece. The Bible says that we are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10, that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, in um, Romans 12, the Bible says that, that we should renew our mind so that we can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So in other words, we should need to renew our mind so that we can do these good things that God has planned for us to do long ago. Now, I want us to think about masterpiece. Some translation says that we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. And I like the handiwork and workmanship because when you think about workmanship, you think about handiwork, you think about labor, you think about intent, you think about deliberation, you think about, you know, attention and focus. You think about somebody crafting something, taking the time to craft something. Those are really powerful words that the Bible used there. And the reason why I, I, I picked up this um, new, new Living Translation to tell us, talk about masterpiece, because I believe that we understand masterpiece. Because we know that there are some, some artworks. <laughs> you know, we are God's artwork. The zenith of artworks, all artworks. There's no artwork that is better than you and I. Hallelujah. And that's the reason why we are not supposed to treat people anyhow. That's the reason why we are not supposed to treat ourselves anyhow. We are not supposed to look down on ourselves because we are God's best work. Masterpiece means that it is the best work of the artist. Or at least the ones that people have looked at, they have looked at and they are like, wow, this is awesome. Now, there is a masterpiece that I just have to mention here that a lot of people talk about. I'm sure you know which one, Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, I've looked at that pit, that's it, up and down, and I'm like, why? Okay, no offense, but <laughs> but it is Da Vinci's Leonardo, what is it, Leonardo Da Vinci's masterpiece. That's his best work. Now, there are other people that have some good works, and they have their own masterpieces and all of that. Now, they say that Leonardo, um, the Mona Lisa is at the top, most say is at the top in the world. But guess what? These people could make something better. They just didn't. In the, they are natural people. They, make, they could make something better. Now, one person's masterpiece could be better than another person's masterpiece because they have come to the end of what they can do or that's where they think, oh, wow, and everybody really appreciates this. But there is no comparison to God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece is the end of the matter. Hallelujah. No other work can be done. No other work can compare to God's masterpiece because he's the one who created the ones who make the masterpieces. Hallelujah. And you know, one thing about being God's masterpieces is when you think about the human being, when you think about the human being's ability to comprehend the things that God has done, you know that God has invested deity in us. 
We are sons of God indeed. That we can comprehend, we can think. <laughs> we can think, we can create things, we can make things, we can see, look at the technology. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm reminding us today, you are God's masterpiece. You may look at what other people have created and think, wow, these people are so smart. But God is looking at you and God is saying, wow, wow, this is my masterpiece. Wow, 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 wow. God is celebrating you just as you are, as he made you to be. Because he knows what you are capable of. He knows what you are capable of. And, and this is so vital. This is so vital for everybody. I know sometimes they say, um, I know this is a women's meeting, praise the Lord. But it's not just about women. All of us, together. Because <laughs> one of the things that you find is that many times people struggle with their identity. They struggle, or should I say that people struggle in life because they don't understand their identity. They don't understand the stuff that they are made of. And you can find this a lot in, in young adults and people growing up. They struggle a lot. They are, many times they're like, you know, struggling to fit in. <laughs> I know some adults still do that. They need to grow up, right? We need to grow up. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you find that a lot in young adults. They're always trying to fit in. They're always trying to be like this person, be like that person, you know. And sometimes, unfortunately, they said that there's a lot of suicide rate because people feel so bullied. They feel they're not good enough. And you find out that one thing that is a characteristic characteristics of older people, older people don't care. They don't care that much, like the old because being there done that, what are you doing? There's no come on. But the ones who do not know who they are, they struggle. They struggle. And that's the reason why we need to find out who we are. I can tell you that I had some of those struggles. Even though I was privileged, one person who was privileged to have been in the world and to understand that, hey, 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 you are made of some very good stuff. From a very early age, from my teenage years, I found Christ and I got into some revelation of Christ. I knew, but it did not still stop the enemy from trying to make me feel like I wasn't good enough from any direction he could find. And I struggled in some areas because there were so much expectations. You know, your wife, your mother, your pastor, your pastor's wife. And I think that some people look at it as different things. And so certain expectations are placed on you. And when you're trying to live up to the expectations of people, you are in a very sad and depressed place. There is nothing more liberating than coming to know who you are and not trying to live up to people's expectations, but fulfilling purpose in your life. But the day I found out that I'm God's masterpiece and that God had a special calling for me, that I'm unique in the way that I am, that I don't have to be like everybody else. I don't have to live up to people's expectations of what they think I should be, who they think I should be, how they think I should look, how they think I should dress. Wow, that day, that day I began to fulfill purpose. And I thank God that I'm moving from glory to glory. Every day I'm catching on to what God has said about me. And I want to encourage you out there. Maybe you've been in a place where you feel like, like you are not good enough. You already feel like you're not good enough on the inside, but then you are hearing it from left, right, front, center. Sometimes you may have heard it from even your parents that you're not good enough. And some have heard it from their teachers. They're not good enough. 
You will never amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You need to know today that you are God's masterpiece. That God has invested everything in you that you will ever need to be successful in this life. That's what God did for you and I. Everything you will ever need. And that's the reason why you and I can walk with our head held high. And we can move ahead, forge ahead, because we are pressing toward the mark of the price for the high calling of God in Christ. We're not pressing towards anything that somebody said that we had to be. But we are pressing in towards what the word said that we had to be. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid. We don't have to be depressed or downcast. Because God has lifted us up to a place. He has caused us to sit together with him in the heavenly places. If God is not ashamed of you, how dare you be concerned that somebody is ashamed of you? Or that somebody is looking down on you. God is not ashamed of you. God has brought you to a good place. To a healthy place. A wealthy place. He has put you, crowned you with glory. And crowned you with honor. That's what God has done for us. I'm so excited about this. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful. I'm one of the grateful ones. I'm one of the grateful ones. I know some people, may, 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 maybe, maybe they were born with boldness. Maybe they were born with being so all sharp and out there. But I'm telling you, I wasn't like that. God had to take me and he had to to remind me and he had to hold me and he had to encourage me. But guess what? I had to position myself in the place where God could tell me who I was. I had to stay where God could hold me and, and let me know, hey, look, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are unique. You are unique in your giftings. You are unique in who I've made you to be. You can get to that place that I've put in your heart long ago that it looks like it's impossible. He said, you have it. And that's why we don't ever have to look at anybody else and think you can never be where they are. Of course, God did not call everybody to do the same things. But that which God has called you to be, God, you can take it to the highest level that God is calling you to take it to. Without, you don't need to look at somebody else. You don't need to look at somebody else. And that's what happens sometimes, even in the reverse. Somebody's inspired. They know they have to do, they, they have what it takes, what, 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 that God has placed things on the inside of them. But they look at the people around them, and the people around them seem like they're just coasting. They're not, they're just, they don't care. They're like, why am I the one now trying to be? And sometimes people now blend into mediocrity. We are not supposed to blend into mediocrity. We are supposed to pursue purpose. We are supposed to press toward the mark that God has called us to. And God has equipped us with everything that we need for life and godliness. You know, what, is it First Peter 1, 3, the Bible says that he has blessed us with all the blessings in the heavenly realms. Everything that we need, he invested. We are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. I'm God's masterpiece. Say, I'm God's masterpiece. I'm God's best work. Hallelujah. I'm God's handiwork. God's craftsmanship. And when God was making you, he took time to make you. He took time to form you. He took time to form us, to make us who we are and how we are. And all we need to do every day is to just rejoice. To just rejoice and be thankful. And, and when sin came into the world and Satan tried to mess things up, even then, the Bible says that God came and he, through Jesus, and we see where Jesus said in John chapter 19, I believe, it says that he said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. I think it's John chapter 19, verse 30. 
He finished, and he gave up the ghost. So what did he say was finished on the cross? Is Your struggling is over. You're struggling to be righteous, to be holy, to be healthy, well, live in divine health, to be rich, to be who God says. He said, it is over now. All you need to do is believe, receive, and flow. Because you know, do you know that you and I cannot walk by faith? We can't walk by faith if the work is not already finished. And that's the reason why tense is like, God is getting ready to bless you. God is getting ready to give you. God is getting ready to heal you. God is getting ready to help you. We have to change those tenses. God is sitting down. The Bible says Jesus finished the work and he sat down. It is finished. He's not doing nothing anymore. Now the work is up to you and I to take, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of us for. The work is finished. He's not getting ready to do anything. Hallelujah. Like somebody said, how long is it going to take God to get ready? And that's why that sometimes these thoughts and ideas always make people feel like God is not good. Where is it now? Because if you are focusing in on waiting for God to do it, you have a problem. You have a problem. Now, I, I saw something in scriptures when I was reading in Genesis that I want to say that I, I, I'm not saying that that's the only application, but as I was reading it, I believe the Spirit of God showed me something through it. In Genesis 32, Genesis 32, I believe from verse 22, the Bible begins to talk about, about the, the, the Jacob and how Jacob wrestled with God. And one of the things that happened with Jacob is that, you know, you know the story of Jacob. <laughs> Jacob was, was a trickster. He was a trickster, and so he was running. And that's one of the things that we need to make sure that we are walking in the things of God. That's how we need to, how we, why we need to understand that grace is not a license to sin. Because if you do that, you, will get, you can get repercussions. There are consequences that sometimes, if you don't know how, if, you're not, if you don't repent, you can, you, you can actually experience consequences. And one of the consequences that Jacob experienced was that, even though God delivered him from it, was that he got cheated as well. He got cheated as well. So wrong, wrong, wrong. There's always, <laughs> it doesn't make out things. Even though God was able to take these things, turn it around for good, but Jacob also suffered for it. And so because of that, he heard that Esau was coming and he panicked. The Bible says the sinner run it <laughs> when no man pursued. And so his brother, he heard that his brother Esau was coming. And so he began to panic. He's running helter-skelter, walking in the flesh, trying to do all of these things, trying to do all of these things, even though Jacob is the blessed. Jacob was carrying the blessing of Abraham and he need not have feared Esau. But he didn't know that. The enemy, is, that's what the enemy does. Blessed and he lures people out so that he can deal with them. And many times people are suffering even though they are carrying the blessing. You see, Jacob was so blessed that he had, he, he, there was nothing that he needed to be afraid of. But yet, guess what? He began to get, okay, let a few of you go. Esau is coming. Let me send some of the servants to the front. Maybe he will kill those ones first. <laughs> send all of these ones. Maybe he was terrified. And in the night, the Bible says that when he was alone, he got to a point where he came in, when he had to, he had to 
to deal with his identity. I believe that's what was going on. And the Bible says that he wrestled with a man whom the Bible later called an angel and talked about he was wrestling with God. But I believe that what Jacob was wrestling with, that he was wrestling with his identity. That he was being told, hey, Jacob, you are blessed. He's saying, bless me. You are blessed. Bless me. You are blessed. Bless me. You cannot wrestle with God and win. The only wrestling that you can wrestle with God and win is a wrestle of the will. Because God has given us free will. So if God is saying, hey, you are blessed, you are blessed, and you say, no, I'm just a worm in the dust. I have nothing. I'm nobody. He says, you are blessed. God can't win that battle. Because he will never force his will on you. You have got to humble yourself and receive it. But Jacob was wrestling with this thing. And that's what fear does. When we, when we have our eyes on the wrong things, his eyes was not on the blessing. Even though he was mounting it, if you read it, he would say, Lord, you had said that you would give me every good thing and you had blessed me. He knew it. But it was not settled because of some of the things I believe that he had done. And the Bible says that at the end of the day, by morning time, he got a limp. If you wrestle with God and you do not submit, you will limp as a Christian. And that is what is happening. People are wrestling with God. God is saying you are blessed. They say I'm not blessed. God is saying you are healed. They say, but I'm sick now. God is saying you are, you, are, you are prosperous. But they are wrestling and so they are limping, not entering into the full promises of God. At the end of that wrestle, you know, one of the things that, that, that Jacob was saying, he was saying, bless me. Then the angel asked him, say, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, I said, trickster. He changed his name to contender with God. Contender with God. That was not a good thing. Contender with God. And even though the, the Bible says that the angel may have blessed him, you know what I was thinking to, my, to myself? When he asked the angel to bless him, he changed his name. That was his response. Because God is saying, you are contending. I've blessed you, but you are contending. With that blessing, you are contending with me that is not already done. Maybe the blessing that at the end of the day, the angel said, I bless you with revelation knowledge so that your eyes will be open to see what I have done for you. And that was Paul's prayer for the new covenant. He says that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance in the saints, that we may know the length, the depth, the breadth, the height, the breadth, the height, the love of God that passes all understanding. He said, open our eyes. That was Paul's prayer. That was Paul's prayer. We can't keep contending, church. This is what the Spirit of God is saying. He said, we can't keep contending. Because if you keep contending with me, if you keep contending with the fact that you are already blessed, you will keep limping. Why are people afraid of coronavirus? Why are people afraid of cancer? Why are people afraid of all of these things? Because they have not yet submitted themselves to the Word of God that they are already healed. They have not submitted to the fact that there is a bigger God that is bigger than any pandemic, bigger than any sickness, bigger than any disease, bigger than any sin. There is a God that is bigger. And you and I, we have got to submit ourselves totally, totally, completely. Because sometimes I listen to our messages. Sometimes I listen to our messages. 
And sometimes God gives us, gives us revelation. But the next thing you know is like, where was that revelation that you just finished talking? It's like, you now say something. We need to stay with what we have learned. And one of the scriptures that Jesus, that kept coming up to my spirit as I studied this word, the Bible, God, Jesus said to, to, to Peter, he said, after you have repented, after you have been converted, he says, strengthen your brethren. And I believe that what is God is saying to us is that when we, as we have heard, we, when we receive revelation knowledge, we need to take this word and we need to let people know. Strengthen people with the revelation of Jesus Christ. After you have repented from, from living less than who God has called you to, to live. And it's something we need to repent of. In this time, you have, you have Christians are fighting. Should they open church? Should they not open church? You know, why are they fighting? You know why? Because they have not found who they are. If the, if the church knew who she was, in, in general, I know that there are pockets of it. But if we knew who we were in general, I'm telling you, the world will be running to the church. Running. Not telling us to shut down. It's something that I have whipped before the Lord, like, oh God, we repent, but we are out. God is, and, and like I said last time, that God is saying to me that change has come. We're we are, we are not going to be the same. We're going, we going to heal the sick. We're going, we going to stand up. We're going to arise. And we're going to see manifestations beyond what we even thought that would happen as we go forth, even in these times. Because God is counting on you and I to arise and to shine. To show forth what he has deposited inside of us. But in Isaiah 64, he said, look up. Look up. Look at your transformation. Look at what God has done. Because the only way you can manifest that transformation is to look up at what God has done. It's time for us to stop telling lies. Telling lies about the body of Christ in, in, in the church, about what God did and tell the truth. Let's tell the truth that it is finished. It is finished. You are healed. Rise up. Take your healing. That's the gospel we are supposed to preach. And I, yes, I know that sometimes there are new believers that you need to, to show them the word and, and teach them and grow them. But sometimes there are just too many who have been in the church five years, ten years, twenty years, are still crawling like a caterpillar, instead of being flying like a butterfly. But I know that this is changing. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God is saying to us that we have been transformed. And that's the reason why in this, in this season, in this season, in this season, I, I, I'm, and I'm gonna, we're going to look at some things, how God wants us to, to be, to go from glory to glory. But I think that right now we need to remember that it is finished. People struggle to live righteous. You know people struggle to live righteous? They struggle because they don't know that they have been made righteous. If you knew you were made righteous, you would say, I am the righteousness of God. I do not sin. I do not sin. I've been cleansed. Because people who think they are a certain way, they say, like, I'm, a, I'm a fool anyway, so I'll just fool myself. I'm bad anyway. I'm just going to keep being bad. Even though I think sometimes that that's like an excuse. A dumb excuse. No, but we need to know that 
we have power over sin. This is a very major key for us to enter into the fullness of what God has done for us. And that's why, just like we've been teaching, that that grace message is not a license to sin. It's an empowerment to live above sin. It's an empowerment to live above sin. Because some people say, oh, I just feel, I, I, I don't feel, I don't, no, 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 no. You are now empowered. to. You have power over your feelings. The Bible says in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. All you need to do is to key into it. To key into it. And you know, I'm thinking about, about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You can put Luke 138. I'm thinking about her, you know, in contrast to, 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 to Jacob. Jacob wrestled with what God wanted him to do. But look at what Mary did in Luke chapter 1. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, that the angel came to Mary and he came and he began to tell her all these awesome things. I'm telling you, man, this was some, this was some things that he was telling her. This is some serious stuff. You're going to be pregnant. You don't have no husband? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look chapter, like chapter 1. So where do we start from in, the, in, that, uh, in that verse? It says, uh, let's start from 28. And we'll end, in, uh, 30, uh, we'll end, at, uh, we'll end at 38 years. We'll start from 28, 10 verses. It says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What is that, the new living? That's fine. It says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is some serious stuff. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Tell somebody, say nothing Nothing is impossible with God. And that includes your transformation. Your healing has done. And the Bible says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow. This is a woman of faith. They are telling her that she's going to be overshadowed and get pregnant by God. Now she could have said, me? Me? Give back to God? Me? Me, I mean nothing. I mean nobody. I mean, how did she respond? She said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And every time we respond to the word of God like that, we are humbling ourselves. That's humility. Because many times people think humility is, is dressing, dressing ugly, hanging your head in shame, not talking too much. No, it is submitting yourself to the word of God. People who refuse to submit to the word of God are proud and will walk with a limp. But the Bible says that Mary said, Behold, be it done to me according to your word. I think about Peter. The same thing happened with Peter. Jesus said, Cast your net into the deep. 
He, we have told all night, Lord. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word. At thy word. At thy word. At thy word. It's time for us to begin to take a position at thy word. Lord, you said I'm healed. So at your word, I am healed. So sickness, take your hands off my body. The Lord has said, I'm healed. That is the stance that we have to be. We have to be antagonistic towards everything that comes, you know, exalts itself against the knowledge of God's word. But sometimes people have been antagonistic towards God and saying, thinking, saying God is not faithful. God has not done this. God is not doing that. Why was God not there? Where was God when this was happening? See what God did. See what God had. There is so much lies going out there, people. There is a particular Christian channel that my husband and I subscribe to, expecting to find some good Christian movies, some good family movies and things like that that we can watch. But I discovered that that channel is more dangerous than the regular channels. Because the regular channels, you are on your guard. You know that these people, they can throw some weird stuff. You can pick stuff. But on this channel, that's supposed to be a Christian channel. Most of the stories in there talks about loss, sickness, and bad stuff that happens, and how they came through the bad stuff. That is not the message. Of the gospel. Yes, I thank God that God can walk everything around. But why, where, where is the message of God's keeping power, of God's keeping ability, that it has already been done? And unfortunately, if we keep preaching these messages, if we keep, we keep thinking this way, if we don't renew our minds that we have been transformed, this is not our portion, we'll keep experiencing it. And then we think that we are so holy that we can, bad things can happen. And so we, we can just accept it because we are, you know, accepting an unfaithful God is really, is self-righteousness. There's this song that people say, sing about God. They say, I will never share, he will never share his glory with anybody. Something like that. They sing it a lot. God will never, and, and there have been some preaching. Oh, God will never share his glory. Too late. The Bible says who he justified, he glorified. And, and, and he was talking, Jesus, was, Jesus talked a lot about it in John, I believe it's John 17. He began to talk about this glory that you are giving me. I now give it to them. And that is self-righteousness because guess what? They, they, oh, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> they want to walk in my walks. They want to pay for everything. They want to say, oh, oh, I worked hard. Do you know the cost of my anointing? That is self right They are sharing God's glory. What it means not to share the glory of God or take the glory of God is to take the credit for what God has done. The enemy is sneaky, but we got his number. And we have refused to be deceived because we see what God's word says and we focus on that. We say, be it done to me according to your word. Be it done to me according to your word. Nevertheless, Lord, at thy word. Nevertheless. Hallelujah. 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 Let's rejoice about this. Woo! Glory, glory. So on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says it is finished. Please put up Romans 8 then. Because I, like I said, it's very vital that we understand sin has been dealt with. 
Because sin is what caused all your problems. When Adam sinned, that's where all the problems came from. So that means that when sin is dealt with, and it has been dealt with, then all your problems have been dealt with. The sickness has been dealt with. The poverty has been dealt with. There's low self-esteem has been dealt with. Everything that you think is a concern and that is contrary to God's word, it has been dealt with because sin has been paid for. And that's what Jesus said, when he, why, what he meant when he said on the cross, it is finished. He said, the work is being finished. I have paid the ransom for sin. So now it is finished. Sin is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Transformation is done. Glory to God. Carabra Santa. Are we in Romans 1? Romans 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And by the way, walking after the flesh also has to do with you still looking at yourself as less than who God says you are. Still looking at yourself as a believer. Now I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to the church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Still looking at yourself in the way you were before you got born again. You are a new creature. And that's what it means to walk in the flesh. But we're walking in the spirit. Amen. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak. Come on, you all. The, the, the flesh is too weak to live this life that we are talking about. You cannot be righteous on your own. You have to depend on the righteousness of God. You have to receive it. You have to know that I am already righteous, Lord, and I'm walking. I'm listening to the Spirit, and I'm fulfilling all that I have been transformed to fulfill. He says, for what the Lord could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he said he condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Tell somebody I'm righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This means that we have been brought back to right relationship with God. We now have peace with God. And now, because of our righteousness, the relationship that we have, the Bible says, now are we the sons of God. Now are we gods. Now, yes, I said it, now are we gods. Psalm 82 said it. Glory to God. Children of God are gods. Hallelujah. I, I think that we need to go before our mirrors. Especially as ladies, we like the mirrors. Something that is good to do in front of your mirror is to talk to yourself and tell yourself who God says you are. I don't know how many times I did that, man. I went to my mirror. And when the enemy tried to bombard me, I say, I talk to myself. I say, you are righteous. You are blessed. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Oh, how beautiful are your feet. You preach the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. You are God's masterpiece. God is not through with you. He is doing something in you that the world has not seen. Hallelujah. We need to talk to yourself. Talk to yourself because that's how God sees you. And sometimes people say, oh, you are proud. You are talking about... No, 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 no. God is the one who put me in the high place. He's, the only problem is when you think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And let me de define more highly for you now. <laughs> if you think you can do it on your own without grace, 
you're thinking of yourself more highly. Because the Bible says that what, the, what you could not do in the flesh, God, Jesus fulfilled it for us. Amen? Amen. He fulfilled it. He finished the work. Hallelujah. And so sin has been paid for. Hallelujah. He has been paid for. That's why Jesus said that God has given us eternal life. And he says, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are made people. We are made people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. But there's something, that, and then he also talked about, I have to talk about your finances to 2 Corinthians 8 now. We said it, right? The Bible says that he became poor, that we might be made rich. He did all of these things for us on the cross. But then Isaiah said something in Isaiah 53. Put up Isaiah 53. Let's look at it from verse 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. He's so worthy. Do you know what status means? You have a new status. And I have to tell you what your new status is. Some of us know what status is. You say, what's your, your WhatsApp status? <laughs> your Facebook status? You say your, your, your marriage status. What is your status in the sight of God? Righteous. Amen. I need to see more of those in status. <laughs> People's status. What is your status? Righteous. Holy. What is your status? Divine health. I'm healed. Because he did it. That's my status. That's the way I stand. I'm prosperous. My status is peace and is joy. That's my, that's my status. That's my status. What is your status? I'm bigger than what you see. And let me, tell, let me define it for you. It says, status is a condition of a person in the eyes of the law. What did we just read in Romans 8 too? <laughs> There's a law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus that has made me free from the law of sin and death. So my status is righteous. I'm no longer a sinner. There is a law. And according to God's law, according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I'm redeemed, I'm healed, I'm prosperous, I have wealth, I live in joy, I'm peace. I have everything that I need for this life and godliness. That's my status. Son of God is my status. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then they said a state or condition with respect to circumstances. Hmm. Ionio Zoe. There's no circumstance or situation that is equal to you because the life that you have cannot be improved on. So whatever circumstance situation you find yourself in, you have what it takes, the full equipment to deal with it. That's your status. Overcomer. Overcomer. The Bible says that he leads us in triumphant procession. Overcomer status. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Please put up 2 Corinthians 4.18. Glory to God. We need to be rejoicing about these things. Though. You are God's masterpiece. Amen. God's handiwork, specially crafted. He says, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. <laughs> the things that are on the inside of me makes every circumstance situation subject to me. 
Because circumstances and situations, feelings, fears, all of those things, they are seen. They are subject to me. Because I have eternal life. And the thing that is on the inside of me is not subject to change. So the enemy can try to bring symptom, can try to bring this, can try to bring that. Uh, 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 that thing that he's bringing is subject to change. When it comes face to face with me and I take the word of God, I rise up to who I am in Christ. It is, my, it is subject to change. Oh, no, no, no more. No more acting as if you are subject to sickness and subject to disease. And people keep giving statistics. And that's one of the reasons why I'm looking slim like this. Somebody told me, oh, you are so slim. When you, when you start having children, you're going to be fat. Is it, oh, yeah, because, oh, then I had one or two. They say, because you have just one or two. When, if you have more, you'll be fat. It always happens. So I said, really, I will show you that all of those things and statistics that people say after you get to a certain age is subject to me. And I'm telling you that has been one of my motivations to keep a trim figure. Because I have to bring everything under the word of God. You can't take your words and say about me what God has not said and I will take it lying down. I ain't doing it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So they actually helped me. <laughs> and that's why the Bible says that, oh, you know, you don't have to get mad at people, mad at things. God can take everything and turn it around for your good. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! And I thank God for the glory. And you will find that. And that's why we cannot say, if you want to be a certain way, you know, that's why some people, some women, this is a women's program. I think I can say this. Some, some women are not comfortable in who they are. Whether you are plump, you are fat, you are slim, you have to get to that place where you are comfortable and you are confident in who God has made you to be. Now, if there is something that you want to change, by all means, change it. But don't live your life in shame, feeling that you are not good enough because you are what? Because you are too skinny. I've had people tell me that I'm too skinny to be a pastor's wife. I don't look like a madam enough. Where does the enemy end? There's always something... There's always something. Hallelujah. But thank God I was smart enough to know that God didn't call me to look like a madam. He called me to fulfill purpose. Hallelujah. And so we cannot afford to look at America's top, next top model and use that as our yardstick. If I don't look like that, then I'm not good enough. Then I'm not beautiful. Who told you? There are some places where they fatten women up. They say fat is beautiful. So you look at yourself. Decide. Create that image. What is that image in you? If, you? if you want to be slim, you can be slim. If you want to be plump, you can be plump. If you want to be fat, you can be fat. As long as you are healthy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. God looks at you and he says, beautiful, wonderfully made. That's what he sees and you have to see yourself like that. Hallelujah. Did we finish reading that? Yes, we did. So we are God's finished work and so we don't need to struggle anymore. God, Jesus said, he said it is finished. Put up Luke 14 verse 17. 
The reason why we can, we can walk by faith at all is because grace has provided what we need. Our, our, our faith is not trying to make it happen. That's a mistake. That's why people struggle with faith. Because they're like thinking my faith is just, it's just, it's just like I have to... Faith is just is believing God and responding. Just flow with God. Hallelujah. Woo! It is very frustrating if you are sitting down and somebody is trying to tell you to sit. You are sitting. They say, sit now. Why are you standing? Sit. <laughs> sit. I like that. Pastor did that illustration for us one time. You are sitting. They say, sit, 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 sit. It's frustrating. That's why people are frustrated because there is God has placed what you need on the inside of you, but you are trying to be, trying to get it in your power and mind instead of just flowing with the Holy Ghost because the way the Spirit of God works, he, he leads you. He leads you to that next place. And the thing that we need to do is that we need to just follow. And that's why maybe we should just look at 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18. I like that, 4.18, 3.18. Some powerful stuff in those scriptures. Where the Bible says that the mirror, the word is our mirror. The word is our mirror. And if we look in the word and see what God's word says, then the spirit of God will lead us to fulfill all of those things that he says. Amen? That's fine. Don't change it. Just leave it. Okay. But we all with open face, beholding us in the glass, the glory of the Lord. He says that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by what? The Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that helps us to go from one level of glory to catch up with the life that God has placed on the inside of us. He leads us by His Spirit. We're not supposed to struggle. The faith that we are walking in is supposed to be the faith that trusts and follows. The faith that follows what God is saying. Not trying to psych it up. Not trying to figure it out. Not struggling. Just, just sitting down there looking at the word of God. And as you're looking at the word of God, he begins to expound the word in you. He begins to enlighten you. He begins to say, oh, you can do this. And then he begins to show you. Oh, remember I told you you can do this? That is the place. You need to go over to that place. That, that's your, your money is there. Your employment is there. What you need is there. That's the, that per, where you will find the person that you're going to marry. It's not about struggling. And fasting 100 days. <laughs> now, we should pray and we should fast. But what we are praying and fasting, we are positioning ourselves to hear God. To stand in the gap for others. It's not because we are trying to make God do something. can't make God do anything. He's done. And God doesn't play that game. I'm seated. I'm not trying to make God sit when he's already seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not going to move. He's not going to change that. Look at Luke 4, 14, 17. And Jesus began to tell about the, this, this, the feast. And Jesus is talking about what God has already done for us. That he has prepared a banquet for us. Yo, he has prepared a banquet of healing. A banquet of, of finances. A banquet of peace. A banquet of joy. A banquet of righteousness. A banquet of everything. Luke 14, right? 17, the one that you put before. He says that... He says, everything has been made ready. All has been made 
ready. He says, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that we are bidding come for all things are now ready. That's what I'm doing here today. That's what I'm doing here. I'm doing here. God has sent me to tell you that all things have been made ready, that you have been transformed. It's time for you to sup. It's time for you to feast. It's not walking time like struggling. It's feasting time. He said all things have been made ready. When you are inviting somebody to your house for, 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 for a meal, you prepare everything before they come, right? And then they come and they sit down and then they feast. They eat. That's what God is saying with our transformation. That's what he's saying with this new life that we have. He said, everything has been made ready. Come and eat. But there is a, I'm not going to go too much in this, but there is a struggle that we see in this. The people that God was calling and told them they were ready, they were giving all kinds of excuses. And one of the things that he said is that if you give excuse, you will not enter. You will not enjoy. If, in other words, for us looking at it now, if, we don't, if you don't believe, and you can also look at it, I was talking about the people of Israel, all things have been made ready. <laughs> all things have been made ready. We look at it as, as us. If we don't believe, we don't receive, if we say, oh, my feeling is this, my, I, can, I mean, you say you are healed. You say, but I don't feel, I don't feel healed. So you can't enter. You have to come and take, partake of what God has already done. He says all things are now ready. We now have sonship. We are sons. Hallelujah. We are sons. We are sons. We are sons. Are you a son? Yeah. Let me look at look. Let me give you another illustration. I'm a, I'm, I'm a parent. My husband and I, we have eight children, right? Praise the Lord. And for every one of them, every every we prepare everything. What are we doing? We are empowering them to succeed. When a parent prepares food, make sure that the child has food, you are empowering that child to live. When you're, you're, you're preparing clothes, you are empowering that child to be warm. Whatever you do for that child, you are empowering the child to be successful, to live in life. Why would we think God would do any less for us? Oh, 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 you think you are so good, you can provide food for your children, but God, no, you have to work for your own. Even when a parent, when parents encourage their children to go to school, have an education, they're empowering them to be able to go out in the world and be what they need to be. It's an empowerment. And if we think that we can do this for our own children, how much more God... How much more God? When I think about, about what I would, wouldn't do for my children and, and the things that I prepared, prepared for them, and you know how when your baby is little, you're taking care of the child, and you're, you're thinking about the child, the child has a sneeze or whatever, you're, you're, you're working on everything to keep that child well and safe and strong. When I think about it, oh wow, it just makes me know how much God loves me. It helps me understand how much God is thinking about me. How much God is watching over his word to perform it in my life because I am not better than God. The Bible says if you can give good gifts to your children, how much more the Father, if you ask him the Holy Spirit, won't give it to you. Why? You having the Holy Spirit is the zenith of life, man. The Holy God living inside you to direct you, to guide you, to help you, to keep you. Wow. God is better. 
than sometimes people are, are letting him on to be. He has finished it ahead of time. Didn't you see the way he finished the Garden of Eden before he made Adam? He didn't wait for Adam to come and then say, okay, okay, let's fix this. No, he finished it, decked it. And then he said, okay, Adam, all things are now ready. Come and enjoy. That's the way he works with us. And you cannot afford to see yourself as a sinner. Put up Matthew 5, 20. You You and I, we can't afford to see ourselves as sinners because grace has come. It has empowered us to live right, to be right. And to have the right of sonship. Everything that goes along with being the the heir of the king of kings and the lord of lords. What does it mean to be an heir of the one who rules the universe? Of the one who created all things? The one who made all things? What does it mean to be his heir? Sometimes when we look at all these people, they are the heir to the heir. They are the heir to the president. They are the heir to the... You are the heir of salvation. A life that cannot be improved on. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, our lives will never be the same again. We have been transformed. Amen. Glory to God. Matthew 5.20, the Bible says, For I say unto you, Jesus was saying, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? If you keep walking in self-righteousness and trying to earn and believe... Do everything on your own. You cannot enjoy this stuff. You cannot enjoy this stuff. Self-righteousness will not bring salvation to you. You can't enter. Amen? Amen. And even the kingdom of God, the Bible says righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, that's the kingdom of God. So whether it's heaven, kingdom of God, accept your righteousness, exceed. And what what was the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes? Self-righteousness, they were works. Works. He said, accept your... And how are we going to exceed them, man? They were slaughtering animals. They were doing all these things, a lot of things that we have no... We, I don't know. <laughs> with the society of today, if they, even, if, if they even try to tell us to do half the things that they were told to do in the old covenant, to be righteous, I don't know that this, this earth will still be in existence. <laughs> Well, he's saying that except it, it exceeds. And that means that except you enter into the righteousness of Christ. That's the only way. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. You see, we have to believe God more than anything else. I want us to look at Genesis. Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and I believe I'm rounding up. Genesis whew, chapter 3, from verse 9. Okay, I'll just read. I think I've beat up my Bible so much. No, no Genesis chapter 3. Boy, you know, sometimes you use different Bibles to study, and then I carry this one. I didn't realize this is one of the ones that um, has no Genesis 3. Okay. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And I believe one of the things that we need to do after this meeting, as we hear this word, locate yourself. Where are you? What do you believe about what God has done? Locate yourself. 
He says, and I heard, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Sacrilege, afraid. And the Bible says that God said, Who told you? Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? We don't need to go and talk about what the woman did. Let's leave that part. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The question that God was asking Adam, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Before you judge Adam, who told you that you could not be healed? Who told you that you are sick? Who told you you are broke? Who told you you are depressed? Who told you you are not good enough? Who told you that you are poor? Who told you? Who told you? Certainly wasn't God. What did God say? He said, but, but, but look at... Who told you? What did he say? You say you are poor when God said that I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He said, what did he say? He said, you're saying you are sick. Who told you? He said he was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity. What did God say? Did he not say you were healed? That the chastisement of his peace was laid upon you and by his stripes you are healed? So who told you you are sick? Where did you get that information from? And why is he weighing more than I said? And Adam was covered in the glory of God. He was decked up and he was glorious. But when he stepped out, then he became intimate with nakedness. But I want to let, I want to let us know that we are covered, are clothed in the glory of God. And anything that is contrary to the word of God, God is asking. Those things that you have been saying, my marriage, I don't know if my marriage is going to work. I don't know if this is going to happen, if I'll ever get married. I don't know if I'll ever have this education that I want. I don't know if I can ever have a child. I don't know if I can be healed of this sickness. I don't know if I can ever have peace in this life. I feel so down. There is no joy. Who told you? You are listening to the wrong thing. And you want to know how, how, how you are listening to the wrong thing? Check the way it makes you feel. Check what it's doing to your life. You know you are listening to the wrong thing. And we need to look at what did God say. And every time a negative thought is brought, a negative word, a negative word is brought, you need to find out who is telling me this. Where did I get this information from? Because when I look at the scriptures, the scripture says this, then if, is it what the doctors said? Well, I thank God for doctors, but they have their limits. Now, when they have done all that they can, you need to remember what God said about your healing. Because that's what determines that God's glory will be seen upon this earth. Who told you coronavirus was bigger than you? Who told you? Who told you to be afraid of coronavirus? Before we judge Adam, who told you that is washing your hands that will save you? Yes, wash your hands. The Bible says be, be clean. It says uncleanliness is a sin. In scriptures, wash your hands. You should have been. 
all those fears, negative things, running helter skelter, and all those things. Who told you? Who told you? Where did you get that information? That's not certainly not what God said. So if you are losing your peace in the midst of darkness, you know you are not looking at the right thing. You are being lied to and you are buying it. Because what God says, he said to us this year, he said, arise. He said, darkness will cover the earth, but he says, arise, shine. He says, in the midst of darkness, you will prosper. So who told you that you are going to go bankrupt? Who told you that you are going to run out of food? The one who can cause the ravens to give food. The one who causes oil to come out of a flinty rock. The one who rained manna down in the desert for the children of Israel. And he caused quails to come. They had meat, they had bread. So much they were tired of eating meat and bread. Who told you you were going to lose your life, lose everything? Where did you get that information? So before we judge Adam, we need to look at ourselves, what we are thinking. Adam said, I was afraid. Why was he afraid? He was listening to what he should not be listening to. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I'm rounding up with this, Romans 12, 2, one of the scriptures where we see it very clearly, where the Bible says that, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we read 2 Corinthians 3.18, where we begin to see that as we look in the, mirror, in the mirror of the word, that we are being transformed into his likeness and all of that. As we begin to look at those things, hallelujah. As we begin to look at those things, the Bible says that it creates the image of who we really are. That's why when people keep saying your pastors, your ministers, and the Spirit of God tells you, go study, come, look at the Word. Don't listen to the news because every time you listen to the news, you go into a panic. Every time you are thinking about what's going to happen, you see somebody with a face mask, you go into a panic. He said, look at the mirror of the word. You know why you're going to a panic? Because those things are creating an image on the inside of you. And the dangerous thing about it is that we are like God. And whatever image is created on the inside of God will take form. That's what's happening in the world today. Because the Bible says that God made man in his own image and likeness. That's the reason why the devil majors on deception. He brings images, he tells lies, so that man will form the image in his mind. Because guess what? We think in pictures. We think in pictures. That's the reason why sometimes when somebody hears, oh, they are losing their job, the next thing they are seeing their funeral. Because they are losing their job means that they are going to starve to death. (laughs) And he brings all these pictures, all these thoughts and all these things. How am I going to survive? Because we think, when when somebody says something, we see pictures. And that's what the enemy is trying to use against the sons of God. He's trying to create images. Images with lies. So that when those images take form, you know, just become an... When when those lies become an image in your heart, it manifests. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And we are like God. We were in God. God saw us. He had the image of us in his mind before he formed us. He knew exactly what he wanted us to be like, look like. And that's the reason why we cannot afford to just keep looking at anything, hearing anything. Because what we are hearing, what we are looking at is creating images that will manifest. You know why women? Women have different styles. 
Because they look at something, they look at something, and they just create an image of themselves. They say, that is my style. They see themselves looking like that, and the next thing you know, they are in the store. Guess what they are buying? The thing that they saw themselves looking good in. Whatever image is created will form. But that's the reason why we need to get the word of God to transform us. We need to take the word of God to get us, and when I say to transform us, to catch up with the transformation, change the way we are thinking, make sure it's what God is saying. Like I was saying, they were trying to create an image in my mind of me being overweight because I had a lot of children. But I took the word of God and I created another image. And I will tell you that I had a specific weight number in mind or range that I wanted to be in. That's where I am now because I had that image. And every time I would have a child and I would go above that weight, everything starts working around. Whether it's my desire, what somebody says, or I look at myself, something doesn't fit me right and everything. It all works out to back to that image that I created about who, what I wanted to look like, who I wanted to be. And that's why we have to make sure that we are keeping that image of God's word about our healing, about our vision, about where he's calling us to, about our peace. Keep that image of God in your mind, because in your heart. Because when you do that, that's what will manifest. If you keep thinking about sickness, keep thinking about disease, keep thinking about all of these things, why do you think that psychologists, they know, they use psychologists and all of those people to create advertisements? They collect data. <laughs> the devil is mean like that. They try to tell you about certain things. X, Y, Z will happen when this, 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 that, that, that. It is human beings who are believing these things that is causing them to begin to experience it. They think, oh, you know, now look at it. Now, can't you see how 60-year-olds and people who are this, this will happen? It's because they have been believing it all the while. Because that image was created and they kept it. But I thank God that we have been transformed. And we are keeping the image of transformation in our hearts. We are keeping that image. Tell the person beside you, I'm keeping the image of that transformation. Now, I told you to go to Isaiah. We're looking at Isaiah 53 as a roundup. The Bible says that Isaiah began to say, who has believed our reports? Who has believed these things that we are saying? Because this thing sounds too good to be true. What are you, what are you saying? What are you saying? Are you saying that I can live as a person and never be sick on earth? Are you saying that I can live above sin? Are you saying that I am rich? I have, the, I have joy and peace in me. I just need, are you, what are you saying? You are saying that you have some, a life that can be improved. What are, you mean you can have what you say? Isaiah said, who has believed our report? It is this person that we manifest, that we see. Because he says that to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And we know that the arm of the Lord has to do with God's saving grace. It is about how God saved us when the arm of God refers to our salvation. He says to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then Jesus was talking to Peter. Peter in Matthew, Matthew 16. Let's look at Matthew 16. 
Matthew 16. The Bible says in Matthew 16 from verse 13. It says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do men say? He says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And when they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, the others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And that's the reason why, and he said, and he said unto him, He says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You have got to have the revelation of who Christ is. Because when you know who Christ is, you find out who you are. Because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. So if Jesus can cast out demons, so can you. If Jesus can heal the sick, so can you. If Jesus can drink deadly poison, which he wouldn't because led by the Holy Ghost, <laughs> you, can be, you, can be, you can be saved from that. It will not hurt you. Take up deadly snakes. Didn't Paul shake off the beast into the fire? They thought he was going to swell up and die. But he shook it off. He shook it off. That's who we are. Paul, uh, Paul shook it off. <laughs> you can shake off coronavirus. You are immune, spiritually immune to every disease. That is the truth. That's why Isaiah said, who has believed? Because God died. God died. God died. First of all, that's the, a miracle. <laughs> and then he gave you all of these things. He said, who has believed? And, 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 and Jesus said to us, look, don't think you can come here and hear this thing and just psych it up. He said, you need to look into the word and develop that image so that you can be it. He says, because flesh and blood cannot reveal to you who you are. Flesh and blood, the, 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 the doctor can't tell you who you are about your healing. Your accountant can't tell you who you are. They can't tell you because they will tell you that for you to drive this kind of car, you have to make so and so money. That's all they know. But God can tell you. God, hallelujah. <laughs> God can take two loaves and five fish and feed 5,000, 4,000, whatever it takes. That's, that's the way we operate in the kingdom. Man cannot define you. Don't allow man to define you. Don't allow what people say, statistics, what has been experienced before. Look at what the word of God says and claim your inheritance. Because inheritances sometimes go unclaimed, even in the natural. But that's not going to happen to us. We're going to claim everything that God says we should have. So let's go, and I'm rounding up with this, 2 Corinthians 5.16. I, I believe that what God is saying to us, and I mentioned what some of us, that as we are changing our mind, hearing that we have been transformed, let's preach this message. Let's stop looking at ourselves as weak. God is saying, and I'm, this is what I'm doing this morning, I'm speaking to the king in you. I'm speaking to the righteous person in you. I'm not speaking to flesh and blood. I, I don't like it when people minister to my flesh. It's okay sometimes, you know, when somebody says, oh, sorry now, but don't tell me sorry for too long because you are trying to keep me weak. Tell me, rise up, you can do it. Tell me, get up, girl, you have what it takes. Don't tell me, oh, oh, oh. 
you know, you know, people, people that look like you, they don't get such jobs. They don't go very, no, no, no. Don't minister to people's flesh. Speak to the king. Speak to the righteous person in them. Speak to the transformed person. And God is calling us in the church to speak to the transformed man. I know what it looks like. I know we might look silly sometimes. When we are saying, uh, uh, um, look, you are more powerful than Corona. Some people are saying, be careful. This thing is real. Who cares whether it's real? God has been saying we were healed before coronavirus came. So whether it's Corona or it's, it's Ancona, whatever comes, we, are, we have power over it. We have power over it. And we have to speak that, those things to ourselves. Pull out that thing on the inside because sometimes the flesh wants to rise up. But it's dead. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Oh, wow. He gave his life for me. And that's why we, we, we have to do what he say, they say, the word says here. He says, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Now, they, they were looking at him like he was just an ordinary man walking until he died and he rose. We can't just keep looking at ourselves as ordinary human beings. We are not. Because the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He said, all things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. People were dying of old age. People were dying of sickness. People were dying of all kinds of things. But he says, those things have been done away with now. He has given you power and ability to rise above. The limitations. The limitations. Oh. Let's not, be, let's not allow ourselves to be confused by the enemy. No, 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 no. Let's stay with what the word of God says. And let us speak. Speak to the people that God has already made us to be. Don't speak to the person that you see right now. Because the only way you can call me forth. That, that, that person who I really um, the only way you can see it manifested is if you speak to it. And the Bible says that we are, make, we are speaking spirits. And too long, too long, too long, too long, the church has been speaking, speaking to us as if we are just flesh. We are just, we are just ordinary f- flesh having a, a, a spiritual experience. No, 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 no. We are spirit beings having a natural experience. But we have lived in a way that is as if it's the opposite. But that is changing. We're changing that. And it starts from us. Let's begin to speak to ourselves. Speak to ourselves as who God says that we are. And let's just not leave it to ourselves. Jesus said, he said, after you have been converted, when you see it now, don't leave here now and now start speaking to somebody as if they are not who God says that they are. We are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Tell the person beside you, you are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice. I'm God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. I am God's masterpiece. The master artist made me and I'm his best work.
Let's rise up on our feet this morning. Hallelujah. I know there are some people who are watching online who may not be here with us now, but I want to encourage you that if you, are, if you don't know Christ, what I've been saying to you might sound strange, but you can know him just by receiving him into your life as your Lord and Savior. And also those who may have known Christ, but you have been living less than who God has called you to be. You can turn around today and you can begin to live as who you are. You can begin to speak to the king in you. Arise to who you are. But I just pray, I just want to pray with those people who have not received Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. I'm born again. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for the sick. If you're out there and you believe in God, you heard this word and your faith is hooked up, just lay your hands on yourself. I begin to declare that my sin has been paid for. And so this sickness, you are paid for. So say, sickness, I command you to leave my body now in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, just begin to expect it. You will see the manifestation of the glory of God in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, catch us at 1130 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.